hey, guess what? It's the two of us. No driving gloves. Will just is so the two of us. Oh, is uh, no, we could make it if we try. We just the there two of go. us. Now, now that everybody has quit watching and quit viewing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I, I need to turn on the public comments. I've got it on private still. Oh. There we go. Now, in case we start getting comments, we can. I can actually see them. Uh, All right. Well, well, John is stumped uh, stumped on how to turn the public comments on. It's no driving gloves, everybody. We're back for another week. (laughs) We might might talk about some of the stuff we did last week. Will is just buried. Uh, We kind of talked about it on the uh, Ken Gross episode. It's literally a car show or two car shows. Major major shows every weekend from now until looks like the end of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm still considering going up to Chattanooga. I think Derek will be in Chattanooga. Um, I got my press passes for Chattanooga, so it's really hard to say no. Did you That's, get me my press passes? No, actually, you have to apply for your own press passes. I can't apply for anybody else. So. They'd better not get you into better places than I can get being bringing um, two cars to the show. So honestly, I think they will. If you, oh, you if you if you sat through the photographers meeting and you got a photographer's vest, you could like go to the infield of the racetrack and stuff. But you know, they won't get you on the track, which of course the cars you bring might actually <laughs> do. Mm-hmm. So, one of one of the two we are bringing is is possibly going out on the track. No. Oh, I'm going to apologize. I can't figure Uh-oh. out how to make my phone shut up, and I keep getting alert, emergency alerts because we're having. Literally, I drove home in probably the hardest rain. Well, I'll say probably since um, the Cadillac died. <laughs> so in six or eight weeks, <laughs> welcome to Alabama. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I hit in the subdivision on the way in, but I really hope I don't wake up tomorrow morning to a pool of oil under my car. Some, you know, I saw it last minute because of the rain and hit it left front. And, you know, I don't think it got anything, but we'll wake up and see if there's a puddle of oil tomorrow morning or something. So could have been a rough drive. Well, with, all the, with all the rain, it won't be a puddle. It'll be kind of a... A rainbow stream down the well, driveway. That's that's my biggest fear. Is it's raining so hard? If that thing leaked out in the next hour, it's all going to wash down the driveway. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I'll get a red light when I turn the thing on, and it goes. <laughs> oh, and get a new motor. Um, I don't know who pays for it. I assume that would be the insurance company. Tung, 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 tung. It's fine. It's fine. Tung, 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 tung. Well, that that's an annoying thing I've always found about. Minis. My mini does it. Amanda's mini did it. Every mini I know does it. They sound like damn tractors. You know, they're BMWs. Why can't they be have quiet engine bays? I mean, I've stood next to caravans that you can't hear the motor. Why in this thing does it sound like a rattling tractor? I just because it's a, a cheap BMW. It's it's not. It doesn't carry the little BMW letters on it. Yeah, it doesn't say Toyota like some of the BMWs do. Yeah, that's true. You know, Subarus, my, my, I think everybody knows on the show, we used to have a, uh, a Subaru Forester, and I don't know if I ever talked about it on the show, but Subaru did not treat us well, and we left Subaru. Well, my wife left Subaru uh, behind in the dust. Um, but she had one of the Foresters. It was a 2000, 
Uh oh. Sixteen. Now I don't remember the year of it. That's pretty bad. Uh, but it, they of course have the Boxster style engine. And I'll tell you what, you wanted to, this, some of those Subaru engines, and there was a class action lawsuits against Subaru that I read into. But man, that thing, it it got noisy. I mean, I, I thought a rod was knocking, but it it wasn't. And I read all over, and it's just that is the way those Subaru engines were for some reason. It was horrible. Yeah, they they get they get noisy. They leak oil. It was one of the things back when Zara had her BRZ. Um, you know, I'm glad she had it. She had fun with it. Um, but you know, I was terrified she would, st- you know, at the time would stick with it, but time proved that she trades cars or wrecks cars too often, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Lane did feel for me, but Lane, you got an excuse back when I drove low riders. Yeah. That, that was the nature. You, you tore the oil pan off your hot rod or your rat rod. Sorry. I can't see that far from the monitor in front of me. Um, but rat rod, I mean, that that's that's the nature of having a low car. You know, high siding on railroad tracks. You know, you feel stupid, blah, blah, blah. But there is a certain badge of honor to that. At least I feel. I don't know. Derek, you're, you haven't really been into lowered mini trucks and rat rods and things like that, have you? Uh, I think the lowest thing I've ever driven is a Corvette, guys. Um, <laughs> That's so, what I was no. no, when I was growing up, it was usually lifted pickup trucks. So normally the worst thing we were doing was, you know, cleaning the corn stalks out of the uh, suspension after we went off-roading through a cornfield. After harvest, after harvest, I grew up on a farm. We did not drive through cornfields before harvest. Okay, don't do that. It's rude. You really upset the farmer. Believe me, I've been there. Grew up around it. Don't do it. Wait till they harvest, then go have fun. Yeah, Lane's trying to make me feel better. It's mostly the timing components. I'll put thicker covers on them or something. I I, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, Lane, we do try to avoid it, but it, I, I like I said, you, you've got to make some sort of excuse. Where does a badge of honor? <laughs> well, damn, I you know. I'm there, so were, low. there were quieted. There were quieter engines in the 1920s than some of the engines that are running in cars today. I'm sorry, that should not happen. I was, I was thinking low, and back when I, w- I was, geez, what year would have that been? Probably about 1947, 48, well, right? I, I, You would have been about five. I I shared on my uh, Facebook today. It's a picture from nine years ago. Any of the listeners, some of the listeners are friends with me. Um, The um, 1952 or 48, excuse me, 48 Plymouth that the Barber Museum had. That to me, if you ask me what my favorite car to drive is in the entire museum, the Lotus 11s, the, you know, Formula One cars, the the 7s, I mean, the, the 8s, the 9s, the, my favorite car to drive in that entire museum, even, even over and above the um, uh, 918 was that, that Plymouth, it just rode smooth, it was nice, three on the tree, the restoration was perfect. 
I really, really enjoy driving that car. And it, it actually drove so good. It was considered, we considered making it road legal and putting actual plates on it uh, so that we could drive it to events to represent the museum. Uh, never happened, but I, uh, you know, it's just to me odd that, like Derek said, I mean, just a nice, quiet, smooth running car. Uh, where I was going on low is, you know, I still think it's a badge of honor to tear things off of your car. And I still remember a guy from, I don't know if it was Radical or AIM Suspension or DJM or whatever. And I was talking to him and, you know, can I put con lowered control arms and drop spindles and maybe drop springs and, you know, all this stuff on my truck at once. And, he, you know, he goes, you know, he said, Jesus, are you trying to roll joints with your car or what? And I've just always had this fantasy not that, I've, you know, I've never done drugs, but wouldn't it be cool to roll a joint with a frame rail on your truck? I'm going to guess somebody's already done it. I'm just going to take that guess. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's been done. Now, I will, I will, I will say, um, Will's not here, but I will say that I did, everybody on the show, I think there are other listeners know, I, I had a Beretta. 93 Chevrolet Beretta GT when I was a kid, which they sat pretty low. Let's, let's, you know, they're not as low as a lowered car, but they're a lower, you know, GT car. And uh, does it count if I ripped the exhaust off of it? Because I came over a hill one day going to, going to work. Yeah. Going to work. And there were a couple trucks coming at me and I did not have time or room to avoid the giant dead raccoon in the middle of the road. And there was nothing I could do but go right over top of it and hear the... Th <laughs> and then, you know, another 20 feet down the road, the... Of the exhaust, because it had separated. Separated, tearing off completely different things. I mean, I took a left corner off a of Pioneer Parkway in Peoria, Illinois, onto University, um, kind of where the McDonald's is for any of our Peoria, Illinois listeners. And the exhaust fell off my escort. I had an 85 Escort GL station wagon. Um, at the same time, I had my uh, VA to Zuzu convertible pickup. The Escort was kind of my driver. <laughs> and the exhaust fell off of it and I, you know, I stopped, I picked it up, strapped it to the luggage rack on the top and drove around with it for two or three days until a cop pulled me over and said, you got an exhaust on this car? Literally, I have an exhaust on the car. <laughs> I, mean, I actually, I actually, I, the, this let's, yeah, it was the, did I still have, yeah, the same Beretta, uh, college, I think second year of college, right before I got moved into a different uh, a pickup truck. And I was leaving class. I got out to the parking lot. And no joke, evidently on the drive in, my muffler had gone bad. And I'm walking up to the car and you could see it kind of hanging a little bit. And I laid in the parking lot under the car and cut the muffler off. <laughs> I don't remember what I had, but I just kind of chipped away at the at the exhaust till it dropped off. I threw it in the trunk, drove home, like, whatever. I don't even care. Just whatever. I, I um, 
can't tell you how many coffee cans I would wrap around that exhaust until they kind of rusted out, Why you know, until it finally fell off. And I think I finally went and put an exhaust on it. And I was fine. Uh, I, it might have lost five horsepower, but I had a Nopi sticker on it at the time. So that gained me 12. So I was still positive on the, you know, 80 horsepower that Escort was pushing. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm curious to ask Lane here if uh, by any chance the uh, truck that he took into the dealership may have been a GMC or Chevrolet. Uh, mainly asked that because my dad had a 1990, well, he had a 94 and then a 97, and uh, both of those did exactly that. And my dad worked at dealerships, and the answer was, "Yep, that's that's normal." So remember, I'm curious remember, to know if you had a, a GM product. I, I'm betting he did, but he's talking about piston slap and stuff for those that are actually listening to the audio version of this and can't read Lane's comments. Sorry, sorry guys, but, sorry. Hey, hey, yeah, it's part of it's part of the uh, trouble of doing a. Uh, let's see here. Ah. Yeah, D- Derek was right. Ninety-six Chevy. Oh, so where? How do we go down the road of uh, exhausts and horsepower and piston slap? I'm probably me running over a damn rock uh, in the road. Mainly, John, because if we're going down the road, we're probably in a car, and a car has all of oh, those. Oh, I was going to say you talked about your. Uh, there's, uh, there's a story I wanted to tell, and I don't think I've told. Maybe I've told this one on the podcast before. Have I ever talked to you about going? I was leaving Hutchinson, Kansas, driving up to McPherson, go, going to college with Will. Um, for some stupid reason, my ex-wife and I chose Hutchinson, Kansas as the midpoint between McPherson and Wichita. Yeah, it was an hour from McPherson. It was an hour from Wichita. But Wichita was also an hour from McPherson. You know, what, what freaking geniuses we were. Maybe look at a damn map. Many people have told me that over the years. Look at a map. But no matter what, I'm driving down the road and I have a propensity to Speed. i guess well yes but i think the layman people call it tailgate um mm, and i'm drafting and, yeah, and i'm drafting this pickup truck this s10 going up whatever road it was and all of a sudden it shoots over to the left and gets into the left lane on this two-lane highway because there's a dead deer in the road and i'm in my crx that's lowered i do believe, yeah, I had the standard stock CRX wheels on it, the 14-inch. I did have 17-inch wheels for this car also, but I had the 14-inch wheels. And I launched that thing like the best Bow Duke ever um, landed. And I, you know, front strut, suspension, it ended up, the insurance paid out on it, but they wouldn't total it. And it, I ended up trading the car weeks later for I think that's when I got the 98 Nissan pickup in the Frontier which I owned from Thanksgiving till just after Christmas and then I got a, a 90 it was a 2000 Frontier and I traded it back for a 97 Dodge Ram long bed extended cab and uh, had that until I traded it on my Concord, which was the course of one year, 14 months. That was a bad, you know, 
I went through a lot of cars in that period of time. Mm. Not that I wrecked them. I just got bored with them. I hope that's where you're stopping, John. We don't have time to go through every car you've owned and and the timeline of that. However, Mm. I like Eric's comment here, which is, what is a map? And let me tell you what a map is, according to the woman that hit my wife a few weeks ago. It's the GPS telling you, turn right here and just turning right without looking at the uh, the lane next to you where there's a car driving. I was ta- I'm taking an improv class now for you listeners trying to become better on the podcast. And we had to do a one of the exercises was to complain about something. And I'll be honest, I really wanted to complain about tardiness and being late. But considering there's eight people in this class and four of them were 10 minutes late to the class that day, I decided to be nice. And I bitched about uh, left lane drivers and driver aids. (laughs) You You know, lane keeping systems and all this stuff and blind spot detection and Derek and I have complained about it before, but I got a lot of props. He said, because I, I was told I was the most passionate and I obviously have an utter disgust for what I was talking about. Oh, this is a professional telling me this. I have a lot of professionals telling me things anymore. <laughs> but a, 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 map you know, is a, a map is a very large piece of paper that they figured out how to fold in the most complex way as a challenge to the general public to fold it back that way at some point in their life again. And very, very few people ever succeed in that. That is what a map is. It may or may not have pictures of roads or topography or places. I like the ones that have the little X on them with the the little wooden chest and the little coins. I like chests. And a little island, a little bit of waves, a little swirly lines. Mm, yes. Oh, now we got to warn Jason. He needs to pay attention to the comments. Oh, Make sure his wife is not Lord. watching the show also. Yes, yes. <sighs> Sorry, I'm trying to come down from the uh, utter disgust and, and anger from my still from my wife getting hit in her car. So. Uh, just, so we, just trying to bring uh, the heart rate down. You know, just trying to, to blow past it for you so that you you mm-hmm. you, you yeah. could uh, you because could because I am still dealing with trying to get the car repaired because you got to go through insurance and yada yada yada. And well, we don't want to. You know, we we can't accept the, the estimate from the dealership you went to that sold you the car. We we're we have our own. You know, we have to use this body shop. Take it over there. Okay. Well, this one is lower than the one you had. So the your dealership's going to have to fill out supplemental forms. I'm like, oh my god. And you think I wouldn't get stressed out? I grew up around this. This is what my dad did. He was a GM body man. I I know, but come on, people, fix the car and get it over with. But as everybody here knows, I mean, we're you know. We're getting it fixed. Insurance is paying for it. They're getting us new car seats for the kiddos, all that good stuff. So we're going to make sure it's all well taken care of. And I do recommend that when, if something happens, you pay insurance for a reason and the people that hit you, fingers crossed, if you don't live in Detroit, they've paid for their insurance. 
I lived in for Detroit for 12 years. I can say that because I know that people in Detroit don't carry insurance on their cars. Not all. A good chunk. Yeah. But you pay insurance for a reason. Get get out of it what you can because it's what you're owed. Now, I'm going to slide this tab over to the background. Certain people I know may hate me. Employees at body shops out for COVID. Um, and the ones that I'm at, they've actually been very honest that two of their guys are just out on vacation right now. It's it's in the South. I had to learn this when I moved to the South. Uh, this week is what they call fall break. We didn't get that in the North. Uh, I never got a fall break. So uh, literally, I think half of Bowling Green picks up and goes to a place called Destin, Florida, which again, I'd never heard of, didn't know what Destin was, uh, found out recently. But so basically, yeah, there's nobody in Bowling Green to do anything right now. So, so, so I drug this picture behind me. This is Zara's Cadillac as it sits at the body shop. This is the Copart website. If you would like, if you would like to bid on the car, it's still, um, upcoming lot, but she, Wrecked the car. Six weeks later is when we got the estimate on the damage. And then it took another week to finagle the estimate. And, you know, they didn't even touch the car for six weeks. It sat there. No, you know, look at the car. Let me get out of the way here. Front spoiler's a little bit damaged. The wheels are bent. There's some damage to the back of it, the side impact airbags. But six weeks to get this car you know, that's a little, it just kind of drives me nuts on. Careful which um, tab you up there, John. Careful which tab you up there. I, I always <laughs> double check what, what's up there before that there's nothing that's going to embarrass me too much and make us an explicit show really quick. <laughs> Lane just made an interesting comment. Uh, he's talking about he just got a, had to get a new taillight for his truck. I believe he's saying it was $785 and they want a core. Lane, correct me if I'm wrong. That's what I'm reading. But that's interesting that you say that because I just was talking to somebody last week. I don't even remember who it was. They were replacing a taillight and the taillight was only like 15 bucks or something. But the there was a core, which they'd never heard of. I'd never heard of a core on a taillight. It sounds like it's something new. But the core, okay, get this. The taillight was like 15 or 20 bucks. The core was 50. Explain that one because that was baffling. Well, that's how they ensure they don't run out of taillights. Because, you know, there's a lot of times that I never send the core back. Oh, the core's 20 bucks. The part was 80. Oh, big deal. So the core never yeah. goes back. And then they run out yeah. of parts. You know, maybe, maybe but I, I, with the way shipping is and the economy's been the last 12 months, I can see core charges being that high because, you know, the repop stuff from China is just not getting here that quick. But I'm going to, you know, I just paid, I've got the invoice laying here on my desk somewhere because ironically, shortly after the Cadillac, Zara damaged her mom's car and tore the passenger door off of it. And I think the new passenger door costs just about $870. So <laughs> you bought a taillight for just about the same money that I bought an entire used Toyota Camry right front passenger door with 
everything in it. Glass, all the interior trim. The only thing that was missing was the exterior mirror. And when I bought it, I said I wanted hinges. And the guy said, uh, I don't have any hinges available. It's going to be two weeks. I said, eh, I'll just see if I can make do with the hinges I have because we just wanted to half-ass repair it so that it could be driven. And the door came with the hinges that he was going to charge me $65 a hinge for. So I was kind of happy in that deal. But yeah, parts, parts is parts. Um, where can we go parts from here? Parts. Good, yes. good call no. there, John. Parts are hey, parts. Hey, yes. Hey, I, I, I may or may Deep not have applied. For, I may, may or may not have applied for two parts manager jobs today, and uh, I, 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 in case they happen to watch the episode, I want to make sure those potential employers know. I know parts is parts. Parts is parts or parts are parts? Parts is parts. I is educated, okay. man. So English is not important to the job. Got it. Got well, it. some of these, you know, some of these places, and you know, English can be your second language. So I, I'm just, I'm doing English as my second language rather than knowing even, a, you know, a first language, which... I'm sorry to the linguist that I now know that is very, very particular with speech patterns. So, I enjoy A Way with Words on NPR, by the way. It's a fantastic show. You learn a lot about language. Uh, but anyway, uh, sorry, this is a podcast about cars. So, speaking of English, uh, right-hand drive and left-hand drive. I don't know. Trying to go somewhere with that. <clears throat> Oh, I was just kind of reading some of the other stuff in here. And yeah, we, we're not going to, we, we might even delete that one lane. <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to uh, really publish the employee discount on that part because you know, they're still making money on it at that point. So are the pedals the same on right hand drive cars? No, because they're and on right-hand drive. And then he corrected how he spelled pedals. No, because when they're on a right-hand drive car, they're on the right side. When they're in a left-hand drive car, they're on the left side, and it's hard to use the same pedals in two different cars. But the serious answer, uh, how, many, how often have you driven right-hand drive cars, Derek? I assume. I mean, let's stick to kind of more modern stuff. I'm not, you know... Oh, oh, I have to stick to modern cars? As I say, I mean, uh, almost quite a bit of what I've driven in my life has been right-hand drive because it's all been early cars. Yeah, that's, uh, what, that's why I was just saying that because, okay, you know, they're completely different on a left-hand drive car to a right-hand drive car because you see the way Model T pedals are is extremely stupid compared to... <laughs> no, actually, it makes perfect sense if you drive them. I, you know, hey... If you drive them enough, it makes perfect sense. So uh, to to go into what Jason is talking about yes. here, because John is picking on Jason because he's being very vague with his questions. Um, maybe Dana can help correct him and and in, enlighten his question asking. Jason's going to text me here in a minute and be like, dude, stop being so rude. Uh, <laughs> as, as Mr. Brooks uh, is saying... Uh, yes, pedal arrangement configuration is the same in modern vehicles. 
uh, you don't, let's not talk. Like John said, let's not talk about the early stuff because that gets all over the place. But yes, your clutch brake gas pedal arrangement, if you're driving a stick shift, still going to be the same. You're just on the different side of the car. Uh, is shift pattern the same? Uh, that one gets a little trickier because shift patterns in cars, depending on what speed, six, seven, blah, 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 speed they are, reverse location in different mo- uh, different uh, brands of cars can be different. So um, you're still working with a standard H pattern shifter, but uh, patterns might be slightly different different based on the uh, brand of car you are driving. Well, I was just going to throw out, let's say we we're going with um, 50s, 60s era British cars. Yes, and I say. They, they, they all are, the same transmission is going to be in. If it's a Ford transmission in whatever it is, your Mini, Lotus, uh, or your, say, a Triumph, whether it's left or right-hand drive car, the shift pattern's the exact same whether it's left or right-hand drive. And like you said, the gas pedal is always on the, the right side. Clutch pedal's always on the left. Brake's always in the center. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they don't move the pedals around. They don't move the shifters. But then, you know, you take a Ford GT, an original Ford GT, right-hand drive, pedal's in the same configuration, but the shifter's on the right side of you still. It's on the door sill. And there's you know, many cars that have done that. And I think that's still the cater to the American race drivers, which really doesn't make sense because the Europeans could care less about American race drivers, but that's the way some of those things are put, you know, put together. So in the honest answer and simple answer to Jason's question is yes, there, the, the pedal configuration is exactly the same thing. And really when you get into a right-hand drive car, just kind of comes naturally to you as long as you have a little bit of intelligence with your left arm to shift i i've never had a problem left to right hand drive it just always comes naturally where a right hand drive car becomes a real pain is on the street and yeah it's cool and everything but passing somebody on a two-lane road in a right hand drive car in a left hand drive nation is a deadly combination. <laughs> Ooh, is this where we get into talking about how and why America changed um, to left-hand drive? No, because we'll become very academic then, and it'll be a very John and Derek podcast, unless one of the listeners would like to know why we... I'll go back to Lane's comment then about he's thinking about building his 31 coupe as a right-hand drive. Uh, fantastic idea. I think it'd be very cool. Uh, I'm guessing he's doing a Model A, uh, 31 coupe, but hmm, taking a wild guess there. He could have a Chevy. I don't know. He could have some other crazy body. Plymouth, there's some great 31s out there. You know, uh, that, but that, it would that, be very cool. It's not terribly difficult, as he said, to switch it over. One of the coolest Model A hot rods, uh, just for the way it's built, is at the high boy that is at the Henry Ford Museum. Obviously, I have intimate knowledge on the car. You've been, I've taken care of it in certain times. But it, very interesting history behind it. And I'd have to look up the, the builder. It was, a, it was a fairly well-recognized hot rod builder back in the day. But you get in it, and the first thing you'll notice, it is left-hand drive, and it's, it's column shift. So you put a, a column shift in it. But 
it is not a right-hand column shift. He's got the column shift flipped over to the left-hand side. And the reason for it is because when he was out with his girlfriend, lady friend, whoever it was, he wanted to be able to have his right arm free to put around her while he was, she was sitting in the middle next to him and have you know floor leg room so there wasn't a, a stick shift down below so she could sit next to him as well. So you had the column shift on the left-hand side. I think that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen done in a hot rod. I just, I, it just, I mean, when I worked there, I just go look at that car all the time. It's like, man, that is so friggin' cool. That might actually be one of the most guy things I've ever heard <laughs> to do to a car too. So I can hug my lady. And, and, but, but what I like here is the, you know, the female listener, Dana, that we, uh, yes. we have that comments, Jason's wife, of course, she's the first one to comment and said he was a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knew what to take care of. <laughs> Priorities. Mm-hmm. Well, some of us so, will eventually learn that. Where was I? <laughs> I was going somewhere with your right-hand drive, left-hand drive, and I, I don't know. Uh, oh, well, I was, some, ta- I, some... I was th- thinking about controls on the steering wheel and the steering column. Um, I've known my ex-wife since we were... 16 maybe 17 and she used to drive a 81 fox body mustang when she was in high school don't worry folks john was also 16 or 17 that's yeah yes actually she's one of the few people i've ever dated that's older than me only by eight months but she's one of the few that i've ever dated that was older than me and married she's the only one that i've married um learned once oh, i thought that. you were saying she was married <laughs> <laughs> She was older and married. That's all for another podcast that will be soon to be released. And we'll talk about John's very interesting histories. But I don't know how many people know those first couple model years of Fox Body Mustangs. But the horn, is it the horn? I think it was the horn we were looking for, is on the end of the... Or was the brights or something? I don't know. It was on the turn signal stock. And she kept saying, oh, I was looking for the brights. And she kept saying, well, you just pull it out. You pull it out. Well, I'm driving Japanese cars at the time. And it's, you know, the the brights or something. You pull back on the turn signal lever or whatever, and you get your brights. Well, she said, pull it out. So I'm sitting there, and we hadn't been drinking yet. Um, and <laughs> so... Ripped the whole turn signal mechanism out of her steering column sitting there at Speedway gas station. Yeah, she wasn't very happy with me that night for some some stupid reason. She married me 11 years later. But Mm. things we learned the hard way. And Mm -hmm. well, maybe one of us was drunk at the time and probably shouldn't have been driving. But don't don't. Don't do as I do and don't do as I say. <laughs> I'm really a bad, yeah. bad parental figure. Mm-hmm. I, now, you know, many it, people that will attest to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, very true. Uh, going back to with Lane and his 31 Model A, uh, although I, if I recall correctly, I don't think Model A's did this, but some of the car companies, and and don't ask me to remember which ones right now, I just know I've seen it um, you know, under the hood and stuff like that, but 
some of those early late, you know, 20s, 30s era bodies, they knew they were doing exports. And if you actually look at the cowl where the steering column goes through, it's the same on the left and right. And and they actually had to cut out for the steering column both sides because they were, if it was an export car going out, it was getting left-hand drive. If it was staying in America, it was, or vice versa. Got a little tongue-tied there. Anyway, they made the provision in some of the bodies in some of those cars, that, especially the companies that were really exporting cars out of America, that it made it very easy to make it left or right-hand drive. I mean, there were other things you had to deal with, with steering and all of that down once you got to the chassis. But body-wise, they made it as simple as they could. So I just did a quick Google search. Um, they actually did make right-hand drive Model A's. Oh, they did. I'm saying I don't remember if they had uh, the cowl on all of them specifically, you know, mirrored on both sides to make it easier. Um, it's been a while since I've been under the hood of a Model A. I just know that there were some car companies, again, I can't remember which ones I have seen, where if you look at the actual cowl firewall, you know, da- under dash area, it's mirrored on both sides just to make it easier on the assembly line to get them together if they were, whether they were right or left-hand drive cars. But I, I don't remember Model A doing that, but I, I could be, I could be wrong. They could have. I, I really don't know. Maybe Lane can tell us what his it looks like and you know well i, I could probably I was, google it but i i don't know i was going with lane's complication about the steering or the transmission linkage and i'm going there seems to be a lot of stuff on right hand model a's or right hand drive model a's so there's got to be parts out there to help him solve his his problem oh i would i would very much think so yeah they um and i'm 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 just by yeah, by Model A time, they definitely would not have been the bodies that were being built. Canada, U.S. probably did not have the provision for right-hand drive because they had uh, facilities already over in you know overseas, Europe, all that that would have been producing those bodies. You know, they started moving over there during the Model T era. Uh, so my guess would be probably start digging through some of the European, especially the British. Um, antique car websites, even uh, eBay UK, uh, that you probably would find the right-hand drive Model A parts over there easier and have to have them shipped over here. Um, that that would probably be a good way to find those parts. Stephen Brooks pointed out that was the other embarrassing thing about my Mustang incident, incident with my ex-wife. Um, the horn was on the turn signal. So you pushed on the end of the turn signal lever and it would honk the horn. Why you would do that? I don't know. So as I'm trying to reinstall the turn signal, you know, get back in there. All you're constantly honking the horn. And, you know, I can't remember if it was just her and I or her and I and Pat or Pat being my best friend in high school who actually dated her before we dated. It was a real, real mess. You really don't want to know how John dated in high school let's just put it that way um john the car podcast come on we're talking about girls earlier i can talk about girls i I can talk about anything i want it's my podcast (laughs) 
<laughs> now, I made this lasagna dish the other night. <laughs> yes, and then you layer the pasta noodle with the tomato paste. And Oh, sorry. Now, okay, I'm going to say this because Dana just made the comment. Too many bells and whistles on the new cars today. There are actually no bells or whistles on cars today, but actually back in the early 1900s, there were bells and whistles. So I think we got that reversed. Uh, yes, you're being very literal there, Derek. <laughs> but we, we need to probably, I need to quickly find and look up the uh, previous episodes where we have ranted and raved over... <laughs> driver aids and touch screens and all the new crap that was on a uh, um let's see here no driving gloves after hours hmm. yeah, no actually gonna... i think jason no driving gloves is going to become <laughs> no driving gloves after hours it's getting close um yeah we're gonna we're john, just, uh, or Derek, sit down john with our and bath I... of Cravathier. Oh, sorry. Derek and I have kind of taken on a new attitude, and we're going to be less formal in our public lives. So we're going to start having fun. So we talked a lot about it after last week's episode, and John's already adapted that. So, although, it, well, you just said our public life, but I kind of feel like this is my private life. My public life is at work. Uh, the the public, you know, director of collections, curator persona of Derek is. It has to be left at the office when I walk out, you know, two hour interview today with, with Fox sports on a documentary that's coming up, which when it's out, we'll tell you all about it. But uh, yeah, I, I got to cut loose. I'm eh, going to die of a heart attack. Yeah. You got to figure out a way to re release things. And all three of us have had some meetings and we said, the podcast is supposed to be fun. We're going to have some fun. And we've kind of adapted that. We hope Will can join us again and yeah. uh, start cutting loose. Um, and I guess this could be the warning. It may become a little bit more blue. We're not going to become George Carlin or Eddie Murphy, but we might be a little less Jerry Seinfeld. I don't even know where to go with that, John. I just snap yeah, whatever. No, that's just a warning so that if, you know, all of a sudden you have your 12-year-old in the back seat of the car and something slips out like something would never mind. Ooh. Yes. Uh, uh every see this is the great part. We get the, you know, on the uh, uh live stream here that we do, we get the the public comments and for those that are only listening to audio, maybe you should, you know, join up on Facebook or one of the groups where you can actually see us live stream because we really don't matter to the people in the public comments. They're all talking to each other. They're just yeah. having a great old time over here. They're not paying attention to the no driving gloves They're They're having a good old time. That's, that's what we're all about. Bringing people together. Well, that, that, well, that's, that's what the whole car hobby is about is getting people together. The cars mm -hmm. brought us, brought us here. Now everybody's together. And next week, the podcast will be us just reading the comments because they're actually Ooh. having a better podcast than us. <laughs> yeah. uh, we were looking for a female host. Maybe uh, Dana's our. <laughs> oh, wow. We're kid. really going to upset Jason tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason's been on the podcast. <laughs> That's true. He has. He has. What else has been going on in the car world? Um, I don't think well, Elon the, Musk has created too many problems. Um, 
Um, so that was a rhetorical question that you're just answering yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is going on in the podcast world or the car world? Uh, 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 John's talking. <laughs> well, hopefully there are some folks listening uh, to us tonight or watching us tonight from a small town in Pennsylvania that uh, is well known for chocolate. However, of course, this week it converts into antique car mecca, if you will. Um, of course, the Hershey Fall Classic is going on this week. Unfortunately, yet again, I am not there. I am tied down to work and other obligations, but I will make it back out someday for all of my friends that are there that uh, probably hope I don't ever make it out again because they don't really want to see me. Uh, but I've got, I've got my friends being spotters for me looking for anything I need, uh, out at the swap meet out there. So, uh, that I know that's going on because I'm on the phone texting people going, Hey, did you, did, did you find any parts? Did you find this? Did you find that? Um, needless to say, everybody's saying, no, sorry. And it's They're all on eBay for way too much money. But, are we, are uh, we talking about an, antique car parts or used cars that Lane's talking about? Um, I really need to figure honestly, out. Honestly. Okay. I, well you keep going and I'll just rant. Honestly, well, I've, I, I, I've been disappointed in eBay lately. Uh, I, I go on there and I really don't find that many, uh, antique car parts. Of course, it may be the fact that, my cars aren't model T's and model A's and it's harder to find parts for them. But I, I don't know. I've just been disappointed uh, going on eBay lately. I, I found some other cool stuff, accessories, taillights for the 1919 Chevy, you know, some cool, not taillights, but turn signal lights that I've got to build the rest of the system for, but you know, period, correct period looking, um, turn signals that I'm going to add to the car. And, uh, found some um just some other cool old car stuff you know just put up in the barn find it cheap cheap enough i'll buy it you know if it's five ten bucks whatever i don't go crazy go on there looking for thousand dollar stuff but um you know it's it can be fun if you're if you're just having fun and and not really stressing out about looking for a part yeah, we were kind of talking, Lane's kind of given me a little bit of a direction on talking about how expensive used cars are right now and chip shortage and goes back to Dana's comment that if we didn't have so many, quote, bells and whistles on our cars, um, we wouldn't have all these, you know, the chip shortage wouldn't be as um, detrimental as it has been. I mean, the chip shortage would have never affected us in like 1983. <laughs> with carbureted cars and such, pretty much wouldn't. I mean, I, or you know, 1923. The 83 Corvette did have a few computer chips in it. But, and then he's talking about, you know, 15, 16, 17s cost as much as a 21. And God, I've seen some ridiculous asking prices on mm -hmm. Facebook Marketplace and that. You know, everybody thinks everything's worth gold. Now, yeah, I bought, I, I got a lucky deal on my used car, but I got stupid, stupid money on my trade-in. I mean, I got more than I paid, and I actually bought the car, you know, you know, reasonably well. But, I mean, I got more than what I paid for it, drove the car for free for a year, and it's just, um, 
I don't know. And you know, I've got a friend that recently had to replace their car and it, you know, not that big of a, I, I guess I didn't see that. I, I'm not seeing the exorbitant prices that there were just a couple of months ago. I think it's calming down a little bit. There are cars making it to market, but it's going to be a screwy probably two to three years and talking. Um, I do a lot of electronic work during the day also, in addition to the podcasting stuff. And a lot of our conversations when it's coming to computers and um, um, graphics cards and things like that, PS5s, uh, Xbox, whatever the heck we're on right now, I kind of want to buy an Xbox or a PS5, and it'll probably be a PS5 because I know what the latest one is because Sony numbered a Microsoft. It's an X, it's an S, it's an XS, it's an SX. I, I don't know. It's alphabet soup. It's like buying a German car. Um, oh, <laughs> hey, careful. I kind of own a German car. <laughs> kind of. It's dressed it's dressed as a Brit, but it's a German car. We'll call it a German spy. <laughs> but you know, I actually Lane Lane made a comment here. He's think he said I can I can trade in my 19 truck for more than what I gave for it. And I'm thinking about trading. I just brought that up the other day with my wife. I thought she was gonna slap me first, but because I said, you know, I could probably get a pretty good trade-in on my 2018. I've got the Chevy Silverado 100-year edition, the Centennial edition. And I, I was actually thinking about that too, Lane. Like, I wonder what they would give me and what's on the used car lot that I would like that might be a little bit better or, you know, just something different to get into. I don't know. I might look into it. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way you're thinking. Like, hmm. I wonder, wonder what I could get. It's it's a pretty nice truck. It's been kept well. Uh, you know, see, who knows? Maybe wind up with something different. It's, and and Jason, to answer your question, I'm not a computer engineer, so I have no clue. Uh, I didn't see Jason's question, but he's talking uh, about reconfiguring chips out of used cars that are in salvage yards um, to help out with the shortage. And I don't understand the first thing about a computer chip uh, other than it's not supposed to get dirty when it's being made. I, something like that. I don't know. I don't, it probably can't be done because they're at, you know, they end up getting soldered and stuff to the, the boards and programmed. I mean, it would be a major undertaking to take them and, you know, remap them and um, reprint them, whatever they do. I just watched a huge show on how they make computer chips, Unfortunately, it was in the factory that burned down, so they probably don't make them that way anymore. I'm going, boy, I really wish the guy in the next room here, the room next to my studio, would actually podcast because he's kind of in the used car business and would probably provide a good insight on this. But he, he won't get on a microphone, so let's How see. dare so, he? Yeah, and, you know, Jason took advantage of it, and I was to say, what does it hurt? I'm I'm consulting with a a friend of mine um about their vehicle and getting rid of it because they things have changed for them and they kind of need to get rid of this and get something else that's more practical and you know, they're finding they can get some pretty pretty good money for that you know w what they have it doesn't hurt I mean worse comes to worse just you know get online I did I honestly did it with my mini a couple of weeks ago I mean, two weeks ago, I can't remember if I went to Carvana or um, 
one of my, you know, I can't remember which one, um, whatever. I went to one of them and entered everything and, you know, got what the trade in value was. And I, I can trade the car I bought six weeks ago and get cash as much cash as I paid for it. I paid X number of dollars for it and they were giving me within $200 of what I paid for it six, eight weeks ago. So I'm going, eh, over, I really didn't over want top? to get break even. Huh? Oh, break even. Okay, break even. Okay. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would break, I would lose $200 in the deal. But I've owned the car for eight weeks and I paid retail, supposedly. And wholesale on it now is what I paid. I'm not complaining. I mean, it's kind of tempting, but I'm never going to get the same deal on anything else that I might want since Ford stuck me with, you know, still hasn't taken an order for my Maverick, even though they've built 8,000 of the things now. And Hyundai's delivering their um, Santa Cruz's and I still got a hundred bucks with Hyundai. Hyundai going to call me and get my order. You know, come on. I'm a little frustrated with those two things, but eh. No driving gloves. Hey, John, did you, did you hear there's a chip shortage? Not obviously on these trucks. They're delivering them. They're building them. Well, just for you, there's a chip shortage. Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. It's probably because of Lay's. You know, you can't just eat one. It's, it's eating multiple chips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, but I, I brought up Elon earlier, and somebody said it's Elon's fault because electric cars use so many more chips. They use like 84 chips compared to like the 30 that a normal car uses. So it's electric car's fault that we don't have microchips. And I'm so confused. I thought there were, are they literally all the same microchips and everything in the world? Graphics cards, computers, cell phones, cars, trucks, you know, combines. They all use the same damn chip. (laughs) I don't know. Don't ask me again. Not a computer engineer. Not the guy that's going out and making chips. Although now we got Jason over here complaining or saying that if he can sell his truck and break even or make some money, he's going to turn into uh, George Jones and drive his lawnmower everywhere. Yeah, that's right. I just made a George Jones reference and him driving his lawnmower when he was drunk. I, you know what, Jason just said everybody's going to come to me and buy one of my pre-war cars because they'll still run without you. They don't have chips in them. I'm happy I'm, to sell them. I am happy to sell my car to you. Believe me, you're going to pay a lot of money for it. Now I'm going to come out on the good end of it, but happy to sell. Jason, come on up and let's talk. Why Honestly, do I got a car for you? I don't know all the details, but what Lane put in the comments, I'd probably be at the uh, Chevy Ford Dodge whatever dealer we're talking about for a truck here. I'm assuming Chevy. Yeah, I'm probably talking about that because that ain't such a bad deal to get into a brand new truck and only owing mm-hmm. what you're saying you're going to owe. Mm-hmm. Um, John's not exactly the most prudent person to take financial advice from. Yeah, no, there's no, no driving gloves is not a financial advice podcast. You will never hear Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Dave Ramsey will never be a guest on this podcast, and we will never be a guest on Dave Ramsey's podcast, at least as good examples of intelligent spending. Well, I don't know. I mean, what is it? It's you're always supposed to have six months of 
like your your bills, like your your average monthly um you know expenses in the bank. Isn't that his trick? Something like that. Is it three or six months? I never remember. I think it's like six, seven hours, right? Is that what it see? I was just thinking like if I was counting the cars I own as savings, I think I might have it. I can count the cars I own as savings, right? Well, they're not liquid, but they are an asset. Mm. Yes, they are an asset. So, no, I'm not going to get into whether or not we need six months of savings and that. I just told somebody the other day, they were asking about my mini, and I said, and I actually counted it out 100% honest. The mini is my 61st car. And, uh, Dear Lord, John. <laughs> so, and um, you, 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 you have had. I have owned sixty-one yeah. cars mm-hmm. since I was sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Just do the average on that. Yeah, per year, how many cars? Well, I'm. 49 now so that's 34 that's roughly two cars a year exactly but there were a couple years i owned 13 cars so i made made up from the earlier you know right now i only own two cars so and there is nothing wrong with owning 13 cars we're not saying that we'll get we'll have an episode what's wrong with owning 13 (laughs) we'll have an episode on what's wrong with owning 13 cars it sounds great until you do it. There's a reason I don't do it. And it's not the cost of the cars or really the cost of a lot of things. It's the work that's involved. I'm at and nine currently. Is that an issue? No. Well, not all. Where's, of yours. The, bra- where's the breaking point? <laughs> I say all of yours aren't on the road and registered, though. Well, that is true. That is true. Some of them are projects that are awaiting. You know, it's handy doing that in a state that you don't renew all of your license plates or tags wherever you live in the same month. In where I when in Virginia, when I had that many cars, you renew. I basically renewed a tag a month. You know, it was just like a car payment. You just paid the check once a month and. You know, you pay that. You got 13 insurance payments a month. You've got to worry about storing them. You got to worry about maintaining them. And I've heard this complaint from many people I know that own multiple cars. The car you want to drive is never the car that's easiest to get to. And you then got to shuffle six or seven cars to get to the car you want to drive. It's just, it's not worth it. Or it's the one that's broke down. They have one of those, you know, that that needs something. There was a point in time we were called Euro White Trash because I had all three of the Lotus were broken down. The Jeep was broken. Uh, her sob was broken. I mean, we were. Yeah, we had we had a few broken cars, and I eventually, you know, got them fixed or we got them all sorted. But yeah, it was it was bad there for a while. Instead of having a Camaro on blocks in front of our house, we you know we had a Lotus on blocks in front of the house. Lane's over here in the public comments being uh, the Dave Ramsey Jr. So uh, giving everybody advice on on credit. <laughs> uh, just giving you a hard time, Lane. Let's see here. 
if you have no debt, you don't you have no have credit. credit. It, it's easy to lose and hard to get. Yeah, I kind of found that out when I paid my debt off. Now that's why I have debt. It's yep. just that, you know, I have the car financed and then I have the corporate card. But other than that, I don't really carry debt. But let's go back to uh, Lane's. And, and I'm going to put this up on the, the, the screen here. So you can chime in in the comments, too. But what are both of your dream cars? I'm assuming what are our, our dream cars? Me and Derek, those of you in the comments, ch chime in with what your dream car might be. It'll help us get to know the listeners. We're getting a really good regular listener base. I mean, got to start somewhere. Well, you know, John, whichever car I'm sleeping in is the car I'm dreaming in. So that'd be my dream car. Now here, Jay, look, my, me, let me feed my ego. Jason agrees with me. Seven hours of savings. Yep. Not, that is not only a classic. That is class. But uh, what was what was your answer there? Your dream car? Wow, you just like ignored me. Thanks. Oh yes, I did. I, I was I said John. I, I was basking in my narcissism. Of oh my god! <laughs> this comment. is what it's like to work with a narcissist, people. <laughs> <sighs> I said it depends on what car I fall asleep in, because that's the car I'm dreaming in. So that becomes my dream car. It was better the first time around had you listened. Yeah, it probably was. It was pretty lousy the second time around. Exactly. Oh, I'm trying to do this. I always hate that question. My dream car. Money, no object. See, people have... I've always said there's three cars that you know, I would like to own, want to own. All right, just get drive. it over with. A Subaru Brat, lowered to the ground, big sound system. All right, move on. Mini mini truck thing. Keep, just all right, we're done. No, honestly, at the, I've had it, and that that's my Caterham Seven. I mean, I absolutely love that car. Um, if I had to have one, I'm gonna t I'm gonna put it a little bit to the Mark Green question. If I had to have one collector car. And I could never sell it. And that's what I would own from now to the day I die. I would like a Caterham. And if you need to be really specific, I would like one of the newer Caterhams, the Road Sport 160. I don't want the stupid R500. I don't want the R300. I want the Road Sport 160, which is a little Ford four-cylinder powered Caterham. Not a lot of horsepower because you don't need it in a car that weighs 1,200 pounds. Um, that... That would be my one classic that I would I would keep forever. I should have kept the one I had, but hey. Remember that ex wife we were remember that ex wife we were talking about earlier? <laughs> How about you, Derek? Well, funny you'd bring up Mark Green because you, of course, Mark is same, same answer. <laughs> Mark is going to be on the show here soon. Hopefully, uh, I was on Mark's show. Um, uh, I don't remember when, but I was sometime earlier this year, I believe it was. And I probably have the same answer that I had on that show, uh, which is also the same answer I had in the sports car market uh, interview 
with the 40 under 40 this year. And that is a 19, you know, I think they were six to 1910 uh, Buick Model Fs. I, I, I have longed for a Buick Model F for many, 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 many years. I, I love them. They're beautiful, big brass era cars. I shouldn't say big, but they're, they're good size, bigger than anything, you know, small from that era. So uh, just, a, and a great tour car. They were well built by Buick and they are just fantastic. So that's, I'm going to stick with that answer because it is high on my list of a car I will own someday, no matter what I have to sell to get it. I'm confused. Did you hear me that time, John? Do you want me to go over it again? Uh, you said something about a Buick. Oh my God. <laughs> Or was it a Cadillac? I was reading the comments. You know, we've got a GT40. Um, to be honest, I'm going to have to ask Dana, are you talking the new Volkswagen Baja or the old Baja Beetle? Because they did the, the final year of the Volkswagen Beetle, they did a, a Baja edition. It's actually a pretty good looking car, but, but we've got a GT40. We've got a, you know, Volkswagen Baja. And Jason keeps talking about crickets or something. Uh, he was giving me a hard time about my um, dream car joke. Oh, I had to Google both. You had to Google both of our suggestions, the uh, Model F and the uh, Caterham. Okay, that makes sense then. Oh, not see? Uh, uh, commenters are the exact same thing as me. We've already had our dream cars. So Dana's first car was a Baja, so it must be a Baja Beetle. And the funny thing on that subject is I've got a, well, Keith, uh, Keith uh, Chulik, who was a guest, uh, I don't know, five or six episodes ago, the guy that wrapped cars and stuff like that. He has now um, bought a Volkswagen Baja and is in the process of getting it road ready again to go to go along with his uh, Volkswagen bus. He's a big, big air-cooled VW person, and he just picked up a Baja Beetle. Yes, can I get a Volkswagen Scirocco? Ooh, those are cool. I probably judged the best one of those in existence up at Carlisle when I was doing the um, Carlisle Standard of Excellence at the um, import show when the import kit car show when they had an import kit car show. Now it's just an import show. Oh, we need to have a car kit car show again. Like a, a kit car car show or a kit car podcast show. So, well, kit, well, I've tried talking to one of the biggest kit car guys about doing a kit car podcast at the beginning of COVID, and he used COVID as an excuse. And hmm. now I, I haven't approached him recently, but I've got too many. It would actually, I, I mean, it could actually be very interesting. There have been, I think people don't realize how many kit cars there have actually been. I mean, that was a huge industry. Well, I've been thinking about inviting, uh, Jeffrey Hacker back on because, you know, uh, used to be forgotten fiberglass. Now it's undiscovered classics and the cars that they talk about and he collects and, you know, you're right. You don't realize how many 
kit cars there really were or um you know the specialty cars or fiber classics is another name that i've heard used i think that's one of the groups um and it's not all bradley gts and lamborghini kuntak replicas it's you know so really been a was a major industry and it's kind of sorry to see that it's went the way it has but mm -hmm. i mean there's some you know we had um jim simpson on and he says some really nice i don't want to call them kit cars but they're very specialty hand assembled cars and more of the coach built stuff or coach uh, built yep Yep. Um, Smith, uh, Smith performance and their pickup truck conversions for the chargers and the Beatles. And I really have an idea for one of his, um, things, but it's going to be a couple of years now. It looks like before unless I make a call on a warehouse, but, um, before I get a build of one of his kits that I want to build that I haven't seen anybody do yet, but. Wait, is it really an hour eight? Have we been going that long? It's been an hour eight, man. Whew. And we still have engaging comments. We still have people watching. We, we must be doing something right. Again, don't know that they're engaging comments with the hosts. Might be engaging comments just in the commentators. Well, we got a couple answers to our questions. Uh, Lane gave us a list of his cars, which goes back to how many, you know, you've got nine cars. I had 13 at one time. And I think an original design that may be cool. But if I think Jason's to... talking about kit cars. Yeah, I was getting get that. Yeah. But there are very few Testarossa kits out there. Well, I've seen a lot of Corvettes try to look like a Testarossa. Mm -hmm. You got one of those in the museum? Uh, <laughs> that'd be a negative. We do not. And then, of course, we did have the guy on um, probably a year ago. Um, from 3D car printing, and actually it was three episodes of No Driving Gloves we talked to him. And there are actually, you can go to the YouTube channel, they weren't live streamed, but they were videos. And he was 3D printing his Lamborghini Countach. Every body panel, everything for it. Uh, Lamborghini was behind him. Lamborghini saw that he had some cheesy steering wheel and actually shipped him an actual Lamborghini steering wheel to use in the car which you know, is kind of unheard of to say, hey, you're building a replica, but we really want our real part on your car. Um, and I think he's done with it or just about done. You can go to 3D Car Printing on Facebook and uh, look him up or go back to one, you know, put 3D, go to, we'll go ahead and wrap up a little bit. We go to nodrivinggloves.com and in the search window, you can put uh, 3D Car Printing and his episodes will come up. And it's Sean and I were once talking to him. Uh, a couple of audio quality because he was outside with the car behind him so he could talk and make reference. That's why we had the video. But um, really You know, I was him. there too, John. You were? Yeah. Oh, so I, I, I don't remember. I'm sorry, Derek. You, you see where I rank on the list of hosts. <laughs> the co-host that's here the most and most forgotten. Hey. We remember everything. What was the, uh, I'm trying to think. So I would not know. 
and well, Jason, you make a very good point, and it's one of the reasons. Um, you know, Lane said he would kind of be interested in a GT40 or a Cobra as his dream car, and that's why a lot of guys don't like driving their Cobras anymore. When, especially when they're real, they hate people coming up to them and go, "Oh, is that a replica?" You know, you don't get asked, "Is it real?" Is is it a replica? And do you really want to drive a car that you spent a half a million dollars on? Or if you're really interested, Lane, I, I've got a buddy who's got one for sale for 900 grand. Um, you know, Cheap. spent a million dollars on. And you, the first question you get isn't, oh, it's, it's, boy, that's cool. I'd love to own it. Is it a replica? And then you go, no, it isn't. And then you've got to explain why it isn't a replica before you ever get to enjoy the people looking at your car. And, you know, but, I think I said last week that I, when we were talking, we never got to the TV cars on this episode, but we're talking about the McBurney Spiders. I would really love to have a McBurney Spider on a C3 Corvette. Uh, don't care if you ask me if it's a kit. Don't care if it is a kit. I think it's just a really good-looking car. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap that up there, Derek. We're, we're well over our hour. Um I don't even know if I can edit this down to get it to an hour, but no driving gloves.com. Um, check us out on Facebook, Instagram's there. Um, haven't posted there in a little bit, but I'm trying to get better. Life's been really busy for me still, but at least we're getting the shows out pretty much nine o'clock every Wednesday. Uh, mm -hmm. again, we've got some good guests in store. I'm hoping to have one on next week. I'm not going to tell you who, Maybe we'll actually tell you in advance of the show, though. Um, dun, dun, probably be, dun, dun. probably good, be good marketing. But with that, Derek, you got anything to leave us with? Uh, go drive a car. It's fun. Words of wisdom for tonight. Yeah, it's better than Adam Carolla's. I hate Adam Carolla's closing. You know, what is it? Um, something about keeping the bag in the wheel and whatever. Who the hell? Airbags. Well, that doesn't, you know, I don't know. That's it. I'm out of here. NoDrivingGloves.com. Find us. All the answers are there. Go drive a car without an airbag. 